0: Welcome to Denny Tornatore Eats the World, My Way. If you're a foodie, this is the show for you.
1: What's up, Denny Tornatore Eats the World, listeners from all around the world? Next time you come to Orlando, you're going to have to stop and see what this show is all about. Tornatore's restaurant, Italian Market, at 3818 Edgewater Drive, Orlando. We have one of the top chefs in Orlando. We are made from scratch food, some of the best around. Give us a call, 407-292-2248, to make your reservations. And if you're interested in advertising on this show, give Denny a call at 407-937-8583. We'll get you on here. Welcome back, my friends. We are doing episode 30. Denny Tornator eats the world my way, and I have to start off by apologizing. I have been out of the loop. I had spent a little while. I've been getting a lot of um, messages from you guys, and I appreciate it. Where, where's the episodes been? Where's the episodes been? I got to tell you, December and January were a madhouse at the restaurant as far as catering goes. And, uh, good thing is I've got a lot of content. So I'm about to go rapid fire of recording. So you're going to get a lot of episodes coming up here in the next couple months. We have a lot of restaurants we checked out. We did a lot of research and, uh, we're going to start off today's episode with a guest and a guest that is amazing in the culinary world. One of my mentors, I'd say, Mike Walensky, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome. So you, you're, we have a lot to talk about because your journey, you've been doing this a lot longer than me and uh, we're going to go for the sommelier stuff. We're going to go into riding Harleys. We're going to go into food. uh, So I guess we're going to take it step by step. Sounds good. So I'd say, let's start, let's go back in your life. How did you get involved in the restaurant world?
0: I started off at about 18 years old with steak and ale, and I realized that the corporate world was not my way to go with the chain restaurants. I went to work for a family restaurant, and I decided that's the way I like to be.
1: Nice. And now you—let's talk about how we met so we can start there. We have a mutual friend,
0: Chef Jason Grunland. Now, how did you meet him? Back at Pebbles? Jason was our corporate and our— uh, executive chef at pebbles restaurant on church street now for the people around the world that don't know um we have a lot of
1: listeners from everywhere mike so i gotta break down orlando for a lot of people a lot of times for the people that don't know pebbles this place was an institution uh people still talk about it manny garcia was a great restaurant owner uh Manuel's on the 28th pebbles these, these were legendary restaurants back before there was a big restaurant scene in orlando
0: he was the casual gourmet, as he liked to refer to the restaurant as. He kind and of wasn't. his uh, claim to fame started off with Burger King. How, how's that? I didn't know that. He owned uh, many, many Burger Kings, and uh, Pebbles was just a spin-off. It was a concept him and his wife designed, and they wanted a casual restaurant where you could come in from lunch till closing and have casual food or have a sit-down formal dinner. Huh, I didn't know the Burger King thing.
1: But Manny, man, he killed it with Pebbles. People still talk about that place, how much they miss it. So you met Jason
0: there. Now, how we met, you had a buddy. Who owned that mansion? A friend of mine, uh, Danny Pachedli, and he was a contractor. And uh, we used to go down to Wine Fest every year in Sarasota. And we'd always make a wine dinner while we were there for us and our friends. So
1: Jason reached out to me at my restaurant and said, Danny, would you like to,
0: this is even before I had my
1: restaurant. This is when I was at Puzzletano. He said, Denny, you want to come with me for the weekend? You can be my sous chef. My buddy, Mike, you'll meet him. You're going to love him. We're going to this beautiful house. We're going to go to a wine tasting at the Ritz Carlton. And then you and I are going to go back and we're going to cook for them. Well, little did I know we we're going to get hammered at the freaking <laughs> wine wine tasting. And well, then he's like, all right, no, let's
0: cook. It's kind of hard to go to wine tasting and not drink.
1: Yeah, so we did. We we did a little much of that. And uh we went back to that house. It was incredible. I'll never forget that house. It was called Sky. Remember it? Sky blue, yep. So this guy's, picture this, folks. The ceilings of this house were painted the exact same color as the sky. Now, the wall facing the beach is all glass, so it's an illusion almost. Like, you're sitting in the couch, and it looks like the sky is coming in the house. It's so freaking cool. And that guy Danny welcomed us like and you so did you. You guys welcomed us like like you knew us forever. It was awesome. He he was involved
0: in uh music, right? He had guitars everywhere. He used to be one of the uh he was the touring manager of Pat Travers band in the 80s. Mm.
1: That makes sense because he had a ton of guitars and memorabilia and stuff. And it was super cool, Dude, He actually passed away, right? Yeah, he passed away diving for lobsters. went out doing something awesome. That's sad, sad, sad. But that's where we met and uh we hit it off right away. Like it I said, fun- you guys made us feel great, like well, super welcome, you and your wife. It was awesome. Um, then we kept in touch. You were always doing the uh, Thanksgiving uh, turkey thing with Jason.
0: Uh, to go into that a little bit. That was we, a really um, cool event you guys did for years. Jason and I had been friends from the years we worked at Pebbles, and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And one day he walked up, ran into him out and about, and he says, hey, this is a gig I do. Every year we help out the less fortunate over at the Salvation Army downtown Orlando, and we feed the less uh, fortunate. Would you like to come out? I said, yeah, my wife and I would love to do that. And we ended up doing it for about 17 years, Wow! every Thanksgiving. And in the course of the time, as we started doing it, we got very friendly with a lot of people. And you being one, Danny. Yeah, we send you guys pizzas and stuff. Send us over some snacks for the people that were working. We got friendly. And when it was time to go to Wine Fest, he put together a little group. And we had a fantastic day at the Risk carlton And then really we did. fixed about a seven-course dinner.
1: I remember we made these giant frog legs and this. And we were hammered. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> but today,
1: so you're the you're a captain at Vito's, and you're one of the certified Sommeliers there. Now, I'm a Somm. You're a higher level than me. You, certified. Yes. You put in a lot more time than I did. Uh, I'm working on that next level, and it is no freaking joke. So I have a lot of respect for the level you have. Now, there's a couple of ways. If you guys don't know this world, there's a couple of ways you can do it. To me, the easy way would be the WTLC way. You know, you can get in a classroom with 50 people and take it together. Or you can do it the hard way, is the way you
0: and I did it, which is the Court of Master Sommeliers. And although it seems hard, if you're in the industry, it's more exciting. Yes. Because Every time you're learning more about wine and you're tasting it, you're finding more flavors, more profiles. Um, you're learning more about how the wine comes about to be delicious wine. So what did, was
1: it just from being in the service industry and, and being around wine? Is that what made you want to do it?
0: Or is it just your love for wine? What was it? Because you, you're a wealth of knowledge. Actually, Jason was probably one of my inspirations. He was very much into wine and had traveled the world and we became very good friends. And as I started exploring the wines that I liked, I started wanting to learn more about it. So took some classes, met with some sommeliers. and then when my wife and I got married, we spent our honeymoon in Napa. Nice. And I was hooked.
1: So Vito set you up to go get the, the certified level. Is that no, how it I, I did it
0: on my own. Did it on your did own? My okay. Own.
1: I I thought they sent you out
0: there to Washington State or something. they gave me the contacts through the people I met. Washington State was a trip that my wife and I had planned after coming back from Alaska. We went to Chateau St. Michelle. Oh, my God. And we met with everybody there, did a couple of VIP tours, some of their signature ethos, one of the wines they only sell at the winery. And that was our second trip out to California area. We started off in Napa. We spent our honeymoon at Guanac. Nice. And that, I would say, got us hooked more than anything. Uh, The first evening I spent out there, the owners of the winery, uh, the Magoon family that owned uh, Guanac and the Langtree Estates, uh, they took us into the cellar. And then you started seeing barrels and you started seeing these tasting rooms and Derek Holstein was the winemaker at the time, and he kind of took us under his shoulders. And after a day there, I was hooked.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, people say say, Napa, 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 but they they don't don't know about Washington State, Oregon. Like, get up in there and learn about those Pinots and
0: stuff like that. Then you go to a Pinot camp. We actually went to – we studied Pinots, and we did a Pinot camp weekend. Go into that because people don't know what that is. It was actually at one of the wine festivals we did, and you started off with – grapes. They actually pulled out grapes, clusters of grapes. We got to taste them right off the vines. They were packed in ice and brought here. And then we got to see how it goes from grape to bottle. Oh, nice. And although you can't do it in one afternoon or one weekend, they kind of simulate each stage of it. Nice. Uh, Starting with the mashing, starting with the cleaning of the grapes, starting how they select which grapes for estate wines, which grapes they're going to use for blending uh, wines. Um, and as it progresses, you start seeing the evolution of the glass of wine that you might be drinking. So cool. And uh, it's really more informative, almost like a chemist in a chemistry yeah. set. But then when you get the finished product, it's like, wow
1: yeah man it really opens your eyes to this world because you know before i really started studying this stuff or before i went to napa and went up to sonoma and really saw some wineries you don't know you hear about it you know you read stuff in books but seeing it it it's gets that blood pumping and it's like a passion it really gets it going
0: one of the most exciting things i think was wine was when we went to canada my wife and i went to inniskillen the ice wine people Mm-hmm. And you saw some of the equipment they had on display from like the early 1900s. So cool. Um, Some of these mashing, some of these separators that they separated the grapes. You saw, almost brings you back to I Love Lucy where they're stomping the grapes. You see these wooden containers that they put the grapes in. And they have these mashing containers that actually push down the grapes and then you see the separation of the stems and the the skins. And as the wine is evolving, you see all the equipment that they used in the old days. Mm-hmm. And then you go into like Chateau St. Michel and you see all the manufactured stainless steel, huge pieces of equipment, the way they pump out pallets and yeah. pallets of wine and- today, where back in the day, to make 20 bottles of wine would take them the same time as it does to today. do pallets yeah. today.
1: Isn't that crazy how, like, back in the day, they had such a—the equipment was—they were doing it so right. that You could still do it that way today, but now you, they need more wine. So it's like, you know, you go to some of these wineries in California and stuff, and it's, like, mind-blowing. It's giant,
0: Yeah, like, how much they actually produce. It's freaking incredible. And these stainless steel vats that they put them in are three stories tall. Jesus,
1: that's a, that's some great stuff. So you, this is a food and travel show. Okay, so we talk, we we travel, we talk about places. You and Sharon just went on a fucking dream trip,
0: Hawaii. Um, yeah,
1: we're gonna get into Harley's later because we were we went on a Harley ride. You told me all about Hawaii. Go into what's going because I I'm mean, people here are now. Oh, there was these
0: big fires there. Don't go to Hawaii. Bull crap, right? The trip was fantastic. Um, we couldn't go to the Maui side. Um, The side where the the damage was, that island. But they they filled in with trips to other parts. Um, How long were you there for? We were there for over a week, week and a half. And the food that we did, every place was better than the place before. Um, Hawaii probably has the best tuna in the world. See, people have this
1: bad, like... It's almost like a freaking rumor about Hawaii. Oh, you're going to go there, you're going to eat Spam,
0: and you're going to eat this. They have like the best seafood in the world. They're a freaking little island, right? Every single place we went, we tried to find a mom and pop neighborhood restaurant. I never ate at a chain restaurant the entire trip. That's fantastic. And some of these little beachfront restaurants, you're sitting on what appears to be somebody's patio. Oh, man. And the food coming out, at each place was better than the place before.
1: That is so cool. So I highly recommend going back, obviously.
0: I think I could go back very easily. <laughs> I think I could eat tuna for the next three months if I was there. Because it's a whole different type of tuna. This yeah. is like the freshest. The tuna doesn't even need to be seared. It's so
1: delicious. Oh man. I love <laughs> It's so funny. I'm gonna in a in a future episode, probably not next episode, the next one after that. I'm going to talk about a restaurant I went to last night, Mike, and it was so bad. Like, <laughs> It was a seafood, it was a sushi and Thai restaurant, and uh, I'll get into it in a future episode, but it was the worst tuna I've ever seen in my life. They literally ground it all
0: up and put, like, food coloring in it or something. It was horrific. So let's talk talk of the town. Talk of the town restaurants. I've been in the location I am now, Vito's Chop House, for about almost, this is my 19th year. I love this restaurant. Um. We specialize in cooking on a wood fire. Mm-hmm. That is the signature of Talk of the Town. Everything is cooked on oak and citrus wood at high temperatures. We exceed 1,200 degrees. And the fame claim to fame with Talk of the Town is we are foodies. So for the people around the world that don't know Talk of the Town restaurants, Charlie's,
1: Vito's, uh, what else is there? Fish Bones. Fish Bones, now. Now- If you're traveling to Orlando, you're hearing – we get a lot of listeners around the world that they're going to Disney World and then they stop in my restaurant because they heard the show. I'm telling you right now, if you're you're staying out at Disney, make a reservation for Vito's on iDrive. Make sure you request Mike as the server and talk about – Oh, my God, the steaks. Forget about it. And you know what I like about Vito's? It's one of the, A lot of people are doing the fake uh, pasta in the Parmesan wheel. You guys are using real Parmesan Reggiano. I saw it. Yes, we are. No other restaurant is actually using Parmesan Reggiano. They're using, like, grana padano. They're using, like, an orange-looking cheese to try to fake you out. We go through two wheels a week.
0: We do our uh, ratatouille, a truffle Alfredo, <sighs> table side. So good. The managers roll out the cart we have a 40 to 50 pound wheel half wheel of reggiano parmesan and we do a truffle alfredo that started in the kitchen and finished tableside.
1: it's so good uh, I, my favorite thing there's the steaks i mean there, there's steaks there are just ridiculous you guys come out if, if you've never been michael come out with a tray of steaks and hit you with the spiel and it's just like what do i get now it's all these steaks look so
0: good what would you get Oh, I always say a ribeye is probably the most flavorful steak. Um, American Wagyu Mm -hmm. is incredible. But over the years, one of the wonderful things about the talk of the town restaurant group that I like is our corporate level chefs and the family that owns it, the Woodsby family, they're always striving for the best. So steaks may change over the years. Uh, Nowadays with the, Restaurant tours and the pallets of people coming in, we do about 50% wet aged and 50% of our steaks are dry aged. And the dry aging process seems to give more concentrated flavor, which is what everybody seems to want in today's world, the flavor.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: What's up restaurant owners and seafood lovers out there? If you want the highest
1: quality, freshest seafood in the area, you need to go to Lombardi's. They are the king around here. For over 50 years, Lombardi's Seafood of Winter Park has been committed to one simple mission: providing customers with the finest selection of fresh seafood. Lombardi specializes in high-quality seafood and sells to both retail and wholesale customers. You can shop in their market, order online for curbside pickup, or have it shipped right to your door. They're at 1888 West Fairbanks Avenue in Winter Park, Florida. Give them a call, 407-628-3474. Be sure to check out our weekly specials and tell them that Denny Tornator Eats the World My Way sent you. So how so you've been at Vito's for how long? This is my 19th year in the building. Nice, nice. I mean, it, it's you're a staple there. And then you got some other great coworkers. Abraham?
0: Abraham has been there longer than me. Really, he's such a nice guy. He is the most personal, personable person I know. He has He's like a master butcher too, right? Yes. He has the attitude that everybody should have the perfect dinner and the perfect dining experience. He started off as a butcher and a server, and now he's one of our managers, and he never lets anybody leave that hasn't had the perfect experience. Every time I've been there, I've left full happy i mean you're you're always our
1: server i've had private parties there i've had date dates there and every time man you your knowledge of the menu is one thing but you know how to give good service without crossing the line you know what i mean and that's a gift because a lot of servers they'll they'll get a little too personal or they'll get like a, a little fake or something like that and uh vetoes they really you know this is a corporate place but it's also a family-owned place it is you family can tell owned. and one of the, the shows
0: One of the fun things that I've always learned is um, one of my mentors when I first started off in the restaurant business many, many years ago, a gentleman says, pretend your family's at the table. And that's the way I like to give service. So you guys also, I feel honored because
1: your chef at such a great restaurant comes and eats at my restaurant. So that makes me feel great. Um, It's an honor, honestly. And uh, you guys are doing the fresh pasta now. I love that. Vito's... (laughs) I'm not going to say it's an is it Italian steakhouse type an of An Italian menu? chop
0: house. We yeah, I
1: mean, it really is Italian. And, it, man, so you can really get a, a great pasta dish or a great steak or both. <laughs> or a delicious veal parmesan. Yeah, yeah, you were just telling me when we went riding the other day that you guys are
0: doing a big veal chop parm. We're doing so it on a ribeye, and it's... A- Milk-fed veal, less than a year old, absolutely as rich and flavorful as any veal I've ever had, if not better. Nice. I might get that next time I come. I always get a
1: ribeye and a potato and a lobster tail and stuff, but uh, I think I might go for that. So let's talk about a shared love that we have that you kind of turned me on to. Um, You've been riding a lot longer than me. We're both Harley guys, and uh, you gave me my biker bell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got to have a bell. So for the people that
1: don't know, I talked about this on a previous episode, I don't know, last year. So when I got my Harley, I was learning how to ride it. I don't know what I was doing. I was teaching myself, basically. And Mike, I knew he rode for years. And I told him, I got this bike, and you kept inviting me out. And I was like, well, I'm not ready yet (laughs) because I got to get more comfortable so I don't look like an idiot. And the first time I showed up at your house, you know, I'm still wobbly and stuff. I'm still learning what I'm doing. But you said, "Hey, I got something for you," and it really touched my heart,
0: man. Because a biker bell is a good luck charm, basically. They, it's it's always on the lowest part of your frame or your carriage underneath your bike, and it's as long as that bell isn't ringing, and your, you, your bike is upright. But you have to receive it from a fr- yes, a, as a gift. A it's biker not has something to give you, give you buy to. yourself.
1: Yeah, you can't just buy one and put it on. And actually, so I felt like. Like oh man, I'm I'm certified now. <laughs>
0: Once you give me the damn thing, <laughs> the story behind it when I was given mine was that this is kind of like a biker's introduction introduction to another biker. Yeah. So you get it as a gift, and now you're part of the clan.
1: That's what I felt like. And um, following you on the bike, I learned a lot. And um, we go to a couple of cool rides. We do. So let's talk about the Harleys, though. So, if you want to talk about it. The story of how you got your bike is really cool to me.
0: Well, I was looking for a bike for a while. I had been taking care of my dad for about 9 or 10 years. Uh, He was physically falling apart. He was old age, and he had Lou Gehrig's disease, which only affected his legs and arms, very fortunately. So he lived to the age of 85. And as I was taking him home from the VA one day, he saw me looking out, and he says, how close are you? And I says, just about ready. Kids are out of the house. I'm getting ready. And I started looking. And as I got everything going and started making a couple of visits to different Harley dealerships, I found one I liked, a little out of my price range, and uh, came home that day, took it for a ride, showed it to my wife. She was at work, came home, and I was trying to figure out if I could afford this, wasn't going to be able to. I looked it over again. I went back, and my father turned around and says, you've been taking care of me for a while, and he wrote the check. That's so cool. Or whatever I was short, he wrote the check, and uh, to this day, I'll never part with that bike. Yeah, and you got his uh, license on the thing there, right? Uh, His driver's license is on my dashboard, and it'll always ride with me. He'll be riding with me forever. You took him for a ride on it once, didn't you? I took my mom for a ride. My dad never got on, but he watched.
1: That's so awesome, (laughs) man.
0: But... um,
1: so I got my bike, uh, I don't know, two years ago now, and I love on a Sunday morning, because you told me when I was when I was considering it, you said this is going to be the best stress relief in the business that we're in, you need
0: it. You need yes. to go. You need to get out of that hectic kitchen. Yeah, man.
1: So we've got my first bike week coming up. I didn't go last year because I wasn't comfortable enough, but you got it
0: all planned out. Um, what's the plan uh, the first day we go? First day we go will be uh, March 1st. It's a Friday morning. And we're probably going to go over to the um, Sunny Beaches for breakfast, which is off of a little uh, bar in, I guess we want to call it almost the to Geneva. the beach. Yeah, we're going to. Re-
1: we're actually going to review this place in a minute. I just review show too.
0: It's at the Alibi Bar. It's a beer and wine bar, and they have a trailer set up, and uh, Bobby and his wife do a great deal, and their specialty is everything goes better with bacon.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let's go right into review this place because you know what? That was the first ride I actually took. I rode to your house because I didn't rode. I, all I did was took my bike and rode around the neighborhood. First ride I ever took, Mike said, Meet me at my house. I got a great biker breakfast place we're going to go to. And the, the deal with is this in, Orland, in Orlando, it sucks riding the bike in the city of Orlando. There's too many tours, there's too many old people. But where you go, I met you at your house in Longwood and it was like open road. We and get, we went over to we Bridge get out it was out of the swamps. City. It was cool. So you get a freaking open road, you're cruising, you got music, we're laid back, we're just going, and then we pull up to this place called uh, Sunny Beaches. And you know the people, and w- so my first impression was, I pull up, I'll like, say, okay, just a little, kind of what I expected, a little, a little bar, and then there was a food trailer with tables set up. A lot of bikers were there. This is a place that bikers know to go
0: because it's just, for one, the ride is cool to get there, but it's a good breakfast. Great breakfast. Um... No matter what you like, there's always something for. Yeah. And What's uh, the guy's name? The guy's it? name is Bobby. Bobby's the nicest. And his, what is his wife and kid worked there? His they- wife, and I believe it's his daughter. And uh, they've been in the restaurant industry in the central Florida area for about 25, 30 years. Nice. Super and nice people. He used to be at another bar doing his thing, and the bar got sold, and he just did a little bit of investigating. And the alibi says, we've got a big parking lot, and you're welcome there on the weekends. And- They came to an agreement, and I'll tell you, it's the best place to go for breakfast that I know.
1: I'm telling you, you get a pie. So my daughter Leah likes to get on the back of my bike, and we go, we follow you, and we go to the Alibi. Sunny Beaches. we get there, and uh, I've never spent, and I pay for me and her, I've never spent $20. (laughs) I swear to God, it's probably just just like $12, $14, and we're not talking about some cheap shit. We're talking about a pile of bacon, right? I mean- This is a pile of bacon. Eggs cooked perfectly. You know what I had last time that was so good was the freaking fried bologna sandwich. Yep. Dude, I was expecting like some bologna cut up and fried. You know what I mean? This was a three-inch piece of bologna.
0: bologna.
1: (laughs) It's a bologna steak. It was a bologna steak that was fried, though. You know what I mean? So it was crispy on the outside, juicy. Man, that was so awesome. Um, Biscuits and gravy, freaking eggs. Um,
0: Everything I've ever had
1: there has been great.
0: And during the course of bike weeks and special events, a lot of times he'll do a Friday evening fish fry. He'll set up in the evenings for special events. But it's kind of a destination. You can sit there for an hour, hour and a half and talk to people and you'll see all sorts of people from all parts of the country that just know this is where they go when they come to bike week. Or when they're down in Orlando area and they're riding their bike, they got to go there for a a a Saturday or Sunday breakfast. It's a nice pit stop on the way to
1: the beach. Yes, you know? it is. Uh, and I, A couple episodes ago, I reviewed uh, Duck's Dam Diner that we went to. That's another great ride.
0: From out here in like, Longwood or Apopka, you ride out to Ocala. That was another great ride. Go right through the Ocala National Forest. What a beautiful ride. I've only done it once, but I'll definitely do that ride yeah, again. Yeah,
1: we, we definitely got to do that again. And I also am looking forward to... We were talking about um, going to the West Coast. What do they call it? Gator Tail or Dragon's Tail? Or?
0: Dragon's Tail in Atlanta. Dragon's outside Tail. Outside of Atlanta.
1: I want to... I really want to like trailer the bikes and go to freaking South Dakota.
0: <laughs> my I'm thinking at, big. <laughs> I, I haven't been there yet, but it's definitely on my bucket list.
1: That is a trip. I mean, I, I would love to ride the bike there, but realistically, going through
0: it's only four days, everybody says, and Sturgis four eight hour days. I think we can do it.
1: I, I, I'm
0: telling you, I would love it. Um, I'm I'd love, yeah,
1: I'll camp on the road. I don't care, I'll have some fun. But uh, just to see, like, the Mount Rushmore and all that and the cliffs and everything, man, that that's the kind of riding I want to do. It's open road. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you got going on, man? You um, also, you have some awesome um, jewelry and wind chimes and
0: wallets I've seeing you selling. Where are you guys at? My wife and I do uh, farmer's markets. It's our kind of like our retirement business. It will be, but we've always used it for vacation money for years. We set up at the uh, Webster Flea Market, Farmers and Flea Market on Mondays for the day, and on Wednesday morning you'll see us out at uh, Delano at the Volusia County Farmers Market. Uh, we just brought in in the last year and a half, two years, Corinthian bells. We sell him. wind chimes from four inches to six foot tall. We sell wallets, stainless steel jewelry, some silver, occasionally some gold. Um, I used to do jewelry repair as a hobby, do less of it now, more selling, but it's a fun way to get away. Um, During bike week, of course, all the farmer's markets become Harley dealerships, basically. Everybody's selling everything from T-shirts to equipment for your bike to specialty things. Um, It's not unusual to see people that are out there looking for antique parts or parts that are missing from their bike that they're building. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm also,
1: when I when I set this when I get this episode live out in the public, I'm going to tag Jason because he's going to like to hear this, man. And when you hear this, Jason, I want to thank you for introducing me to Mike back in the day, and I uh, hope you're doing well. But um, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I've got to go make some dinner tonight, and I've got, man, I've got to go back to work tomorrow. When are you back to work? I go back on Tuesday. So you put in your time at Vito's. What's your schedule looking like now?
0: At Vito's, I go in about 3 o'clock, 3.30, and I, we're open at 5. 4.30, we open for our happy hour. From 5 o'clock, Tuesday through Saturday, I'm there, till the people don't come anymore. And look forward to seeing anybody. Yeah, make and sure. And everybody.
1: Make sure when you guys make the reservation for Vito's, when you're going to Disney World, make sure you ask for Mike, and make sure you tell him when you get there, you heard it on Denny 23 it's the world my way. Mike, thanks a lot, brother. Let's ride this week. Uh Let's ride one time before Bike Week, but I um, appreciate you, man. I appreciate all the knowledge. appreciate the uh, friendship.
0: Thank you for having me. I look forward to future episodes, and uh, you'll have to do a review after Bike Week. I'm definitely going to. We'll see you guys next time. If you liked what you heard today, please like, comment, subscribe for more, and go follow our Facebook page where you can see all the photos from our episodes.